This is On The Block with Brent Axe. I've always said the best way to start an hour of this award-winning radio program is Flock of Secrets. I will stand by that. I will stand by that statement. I am Brent Axe, and I approve this message. Because I ran so far away. <laughs> I haven't run in years. I don't know. That's a lot. See, I'm an honest politician. Welcome back or welcome aboard. Either way, welcome. Awesome to have you here on this Thursday edition on the block. Dino Babers is the head coach of the Orange. You knew that already. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes here. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome, coach, for his weekly chat here on the block. And again, you might have heard Seth mention it during the update. FYI, time change. Okay, the Dino Babers show live on your radios over on Brostat TK99 here on ESPN Radio AM 1200 at 7 o'clock, because we have Crunch Weekly here on ESPN Radio Syracuse following this show at 6 o'clock, or live at the Press Room Pub with the coach is now at 6 o'clock. Okay, they've moved up the uh, start of the show from 7 to 6, so it's now from 6 until 8. As for the offensive line that Dino Babers will be coaching this week, my friend and colleague and Orange Weekly partner, our brand new episode of Orange Weekly is up on YouTube, on Syracuse.com. And I, I like today's show. I always like doing Orange Weekly with Nate and later in basketball season with Mike Waters. But next week is going to be a very special episode of Orange Weekly. And I'm just going to leave it at that. If you saw our Halloween episode last year, you may know what I'm talking about. It's a week from today, by the way. Did you get your candy yet? And it better not be the candy you bought on sale at the drugstore November 1st. Is that stuff still good? You might want to check that. Anyway, Nate wrote a terrific piece today on Syracuse.com, which you should read. And the headline says, Syracuse football's offensive line woes. How did we get here? Now, that's a loaded question that cannot be answered in one segment of radio or maybe even in one article by Nate. But he did a very good job kind of capturing that very question. Now, I would encourage you to read the whole thing and go through it and the recruits that they, air quotes, missed on and kind of the process of where we are now. A Syracuse offensive line that has given up 35 sacks, one that gave up 37 all of last year, Young players getting overwhelmed. Who's left on the bench to supplement this? Breaking up the continuity, as Coach Baber said. Where are they? Three and four, eighth game of the season. Playing a Florida State team that's got a bad offensive line themselves, so Syracuse can really lean on its defense and its special teams a little bit more than usual in the sense of making game-breaking plays. The defense has kept them in games the last two weeks, but hasn't necessarily given them that game-breaking pick six. Or Aside from the ridiculous fumble call against Pittsburgh last week, which we went over with a fine-tooth comb, the defense did its job there, putting the ball in well-positioned for Syracuse to tie or win that football game, but the ridiculous reversal of that replay by that official, let's just not go there again, shall we? What I was most intrigued with in Nate's article is quite literally like who's on this bench that we have not seen a lot of that could get out there and do this. And I I, want to go through the breakdown this way, going by years that they were recruited. 
So 2018 recruits, Carlos Veterello, redshirt freshman starter, left tackle, impresses in camp, wins the job over a transfer, which should have been our first red flag. Like this kid beat out a experienced transfer who at least looks the part. And I think was a great move for Syracuse to go into the transfer portal and get a transfer in because you lost three starters. Get aggressive. Get out there. Make it happen. He'll be amongst the most experienced offensive tackles on the roster next year. And he's getting overwhelmed right now. By the way, no offensive linemen were that were requested did speak to the media this week. The offensive line coach routinely has not made available to the media because assistant coaches don't talk to the media. Generally, you do hear Mike Lynch, the offensive coordinator, and Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, weekly on this radio station, which is great. But by and large, Dino is the voice of the coaching staff. He was asked about Mike Cavanaugh earlier this week, declined to comment on that. So he keeps those things in-house. Okay, fair enough. But going through uh, the, the rest of these 2018 recruits, a lot of you have asked about Kadir White. Four-star prospect from the Bronx. Has the frame of an offensive lineman. Redshirted as a freshman in his second year, and as Nate notes here, continues to work on his body and ability. But four key words here. He's, or is it five? He's not ready to play. So are you going to put somebody out there with the description of he's not ready to play because you're desperate, because you're breaking up continuity, because let's see if he can play? That might do more damage in the long term than fixing what is not only a short but a long-term problem, but plugging the leak that is there in this offensive line right now. William Fromey, scholarship offer after a camp workout at Syracuse, his only major conference offer. Your 2019 recruits, Matthew Bergeron, a true freshman from Canada. He has played on special teams and in some short yardage run situations. But again, you're talking about another true freshman. Darius Tisdale. Now, this is the guy I'm curious about. Junior college transfer. He can play tackle or guard. He has two more seasons of eligibility. So he's in it supposedly for the long haul. But why is he not quite ready to crack the lineup yet? But it seems like he's on the brink of it. You have Anthony Redd, a true freshman from Connecticut who enrolled in January, got some high marks, as Nate notes here, that suggests he'll be a name to remember at the tackle position in the coming years. Well, that sounds intriguing, but doesn't necessarily mean he's ready right now. And then Nate details the recruits coming in, which right now is two in the class of 2020, and you go from there. So when Dino Baber says break up the continuity and no one's job is safe, like beyond Patrick Davis and Darius Tisdale, like what can you really do? There's 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 not a lot of help in that offensive line. Sam Heckel does not look to be coming back this season. Again, that's my opinion. That's not a report of any sense. That's just what sources tell me is the most likely scenario, but we'll see. You always leave a window open with these things. So that's the big question. And we will talk more football with Coach Babers in about 10 minutes. But I wanted to bring this up today. And I understand what the date is. It's October 24th. You're just out there buying Halloween candy. The NBA draft is a long way away. But in what is seemingly a year-by-year routine here, you kind of ask yourself, 
as a Syracuse basketball fan, who is the player or players that's going to appear on the mock drafts? Because that has been a yearly routine. That's good news, by the way, for Syracuse, because recruits read mock drafts. They see a path to the NBA. And for those that, we had a lengthy discussion about this on recent shows, people that have been kind of criticizing Bayheim's recruiting, uh, you know, the most recent myths, of course, in the recruiting world, and that turns into a, a, a big picture analysis of things. And, you know, I don't want to have the same answer every time because every recruit is different. But I've tried to assure that for the most part, things are fine. They could be a lot worse. They could always be better. But fancy stars. And when you miss out players in stars, particularly a certain four-star prospect from Albany who recently committed to Connecticut over Syracuse, people start freaking out. I've been telling you all along that Quincy Garrier is going to show up on NBA mock draft lists. I didn't think it'd be this early, but I'm not stunned that Jeff Goodman put him in his first round. And I understand it's early mock drafts, but just the fact that NBA people are recognizing him. I texted the scout who knows today, and the scout who knows said, look, he's on our radar. There's a lot that has to be proven there, but we're impressed with him. Goodman broke it down this way in his article, saying, quote, the Montreal native can really score. He's got an NBA-ready body for a wing. He's able to create his own shot and get buckets from the perimeter. 6'7", physically imposing guy. When Syracuse went to Italy, you could see that, and I understand what the competition was, and that's got to be noted. He's got to get used to the college game, but seems to have the build and the mentality to go out there and handle that. As Adrian Autry told our Donna DeToto over the summer, quote, college is a physical game. Freshmen struggle with the physicality of it. I think he's ahead of the curve because he's already physically big and strong. Now, for him, it's to make the reads and the speed. And coaches talk up their players, but I think for the most part, they'll be somewhat honest with you, too, particularly if they think they're a little behind and have to catch up. You'll recall we talked a few times prior to the draft and after the draft. We'll have to get them on again soon. Wes Brown. Wes has a Canadian scouting service. He routinely talks to Syracuse coaches. As a matter of fact, talk to one today because I tweeted earlier today And what I said was, my guy Wes Brown can tell you, Garrier would have more hype if he was in the American feeder system. Because I also tweeted that Uncle Brent told you that Garrier is going to show up on mock draft lists and we'll start to get that buzz. Wes tweeted, I can attest to that, as a matter of fact, just off the phone with Coach Autry, and says Garrier is one of the best shooters and hardest workers he's seen. Now, again, that's a coach talking up his player. That doesn't mean anything until we see it in ACC play. I think this team is going to be a slow burn. They're going to struggle a little bit. They're going to show some flashes in the early part of the season, starting with Virginia, some tough non-conference opponents, those two or three teams you don't really see coming but end up in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. You have two extra conference games. But when this thing kicks in, I think you're going to see – one of the more fun Syracuse teams we've seen in recent years, up and down the floor, high scoring, because that's just the talent you have. You have a bunch of shooters. You have guys that love to push it. There's a lot of early buzz about Bryson Goodine, about how much weight he's put on, what kind of player he is. But this thing has to bake. You're replacing four starters. Not only the level of talent there, that's a lot of new faces in the lineup. And they had a jump start by going to Italy. And they had as 
as good of a jump start as you can get. You want that extra time and that extra practice, but still going to take time against teams that matter. Not that, you know, jabronis they were playing over in Italy. So that buzz is there, and coaches get annoyed with this stuff. Even fans get annoyed with it. But somebody actually, it's my my guy Dan Lyons. What did he tweet at me here? I got to pull it up. Oh, boy. Hold on a sec. Let me pull this up. Here it is. Because I tweeted out that Gary thing, and he said, Brent, why do you clearly hate this program by insinuating that the players might be good? But that is a good sign, right? Because year after year, you're getting this kind of talent. So Garrier appears to be the guy. Now, who else will appear on this list? Certainly Elijah Hughes is set for a big season. And who was the one or two players that we're not talking about here that's going to kind of elbow their way into that conversation? 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line's 288-0644. Let's break. Let's come back. Let's hear from the head coach, Dino Babers. You stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Seth Goldberg is on the other side of the room, ready to deliver the blind side. But first, we hear from the people. Back to the phones we go at 437-7644. That's where Timmy and Eastwood is on the block. Tim. Hey, Brent. Um, uh, I got to talk to you a little bit about the offensive line. And sure. just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, Sir, if Aaron Service is supposed to be the best lineman, I know he's been, or at least last year, he was an all-conference center. Why don't they move him over to tackle like he was supposed to be, and or left tackle, and play, the, you know, now heckles out, play the guy behind. I mean, is the third-string center that bad? I mean, that seems like a quick, I mean, the, east, the most important offensive line position with a right-handed quarterback is the left tackle. So move your guy, your best guy there. It seems like a um, a quick, easy solution potentially, but am I missing something? You're not. I like the theory, but you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's the situation because right now the worst part of the line, Tim, and thanks for the call, my friend, is it is collapsing from the walls in. It is the left and the right tackle. Carlos Vettorello and Ryan Alexander are really struggling. Aaron Service is best at left tackle, but if you put him at left tackle and try something at center – now defenses come over the middle. And remember, the center is the one that you know has to read defenses, that has to keep the snap count, obviously, in line. He's the leader of the offense. I don't want to put it all on Sam Heckle not being in there, but it shows you how important it is to have Sam Heckle in the middle and to have service at tackle. Because of all the shape-shifting you've had to do, all the injuries, all the inexperience, this is what we're seeing. I agree with you in theory to put Aaron Service over there, but then you've got a bad situation in the middle. Between the two, I'd rather have an anchor in the middle. I know we've got the blind side to get to, but do we know for sure Aaron Service is better at the tackle? Because he played center all of last year and was pretty good there. I think he's better okay, no, at I, tackle. I just, for for I this situation, yeah, no, I, last okay. year he could because you were deeper. For got this it. situation, he's better at tackle, but... Has to play center because they don't have anybody else. Let's go on the blind side, shall we? It's time for the blind side. And it's our friends at Burdick Toyota that bring it to you. We can go places in a new Toyota from Burdick Toyota. They have awesome lease deals going on now at Burdick Toyota. Just visit BurdickToyota.com. Stop in. 
Tell them the X-Man sent you so you can learn all about the great fuel economy of the Corolla, the sheer power and towing capacity of the Toyota Tundra, and so much more. Our friends at Burdick Toyota, Driver's Village in Cicero. Me fire when ready, Goldberg. On a scale of 1 to 10, how disrespectful is it to refer to Alex Rodriguez as simply J-Lo's fiancé? How disrespectful is it? Like a minus 90? <laughs> you are J-Lo's fiancé. And that's what you'll always be, A-Rod. There was a headline of a story, I believe, from a British publication. It was on the BBC, yes. That said, uh, Jennifer Lopez and fiancé. Yes. And I love it. It's amazing. I'm a huge fan of that. It's amazing. I, I applaud you, sirs. Did you know that was a... I think that was a headline on Frank Gifford's, like, obituary somewhere. It was like, Kathy Lee Gifford's husband dies. Like, I, oh. I'm always a fan of these. Every Ooh. time. Every <laughs> single time. Uh, have now, you... what would you... Now, here's, here's where you'd have disrespect. Jay-Z and wife. Oh. Beyonce and husband. Uh, true. Like, you yeah, can't... No. Those two are on equal footing. No. They're the king and queen. You always mention the king and queen by name. Have you ever hit your head on a ceiling? I have hit my head on a ceiling. This has happened more times than I should probably admit. Why? What would where this Taco Fall hit his head on a ceiling and got a concussion? Ooh, not good. No, where did he hit his head? I don't know. Which isn't hard to do for a seven foot six, seven five, anywhere. I I don't believe I've given myself a concussion doing that, but I Maybe have undiagnosed? hit my head on ceilings. Maybe undiagnosed. Where are we again? Exactly. What's your name? Uh, have you ever played fantasy basketball? Where are we? Anyway, no, you, you know what? I, to, just to go back to that last question for a sec. So, you know what I used to hit my head on a lot? The top of your car? No, haven't done that. So, a lot of people have this in, in their upstairs bedrooms. There's like that slanted part of the ceiling. Oh. So, my daughter's bed used to be right under that. And my daughter and I read every night. Oh. So, at least once a week, I'd get up from reading and clunk my head on that thing. So, anyway, yeah. uh, have I played fantasy basketball? Actually, no. I've played every other sport except basketball. I have certainly done golf? fantasy football. I've done fantasy golf. Why? I am currently in a fantasy hockey league, which I thoroughly enjoy. I have done fantasy NASCAR, believe it or not. No, I got, you I have. No, I, you I, I swear to God. Okay. I got into that one year trying to learn more about NASCAR. I think that was a radio stunt that I did back in the day. Is but Fra- never basketball. Is Frank Gore a compiler? <laughs> Wait, let's go back to your last question. You know that fantasy college league that yeah, you and I are it's in? it's fun. I literally have not looked at that thing since the draft. I have no idea how good my team is, where I'm I don't at think it's in good. the standings. I don't think you're doing I have well. literally not logged into that page since. My apologies to our friend John Casillo. But uh, I just always forget about that thing. Your team oh, you got is, it there? Your team is named the G-Rob Express, That's correct? me, correct. Uh, you are currently tied for last. What's my record? One and six. I'm two and five. So very, I can't talk. very appropriate for the G-Rob Express, right? You're tied with John Casillo, by the Fantastic. way. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a guy. Now this proves my theory. This guy runs the league. Is immersed in it every day. I haven't looked at the thing since the draft. We have the same record. Was I not supposed to call him out? Oh, I apologize. That's gr- no, that's fantastic. <laughs> but just goes to show you, like, you think you Whatever. know, but you have no idea, right? Uh, last one, uh, second to last one, is Frank Gore a compiler? Frank Gore is not a compiler. Frank Gore is one of the best running backs in the history of football. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
He's not a compiler. Last one. Can someone named Jace Tingler be taken seriously? I don't think so. And I think the fact that he's now managing Pauly Sebelius' favorite team is going to lead to months. It's amazing. Of It's so funny. Like, can you imagine? I, I feel a, bad for can, pe- people can, that have this have these names that you just can't get around. Can you believe there's a guy named Chase Tingler and he's now Manny Machado's boss? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> like, God bless him. My college roommate's last name, I love him to death. He actually works for the NFL now. His last name was Butts. Like, you just, you don't, like... That, he can't be, he can't was, be in charge of anything. What was your childhood like? I mean, like, people... Harry Butts? I once got a ticket for fishing without a license... For a man whose name is Richard Head. Okay? Now, what do people call Richard? Of course. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. Why would you name your child that? I'm sorry. No offense to the the Head family, but I mean... Come on. What what are we doing here? I got a cool name. Nobody ever believes my last name is Axe. They're like, oh, how'd you come up with that? I'm like... It's a radio name. It's on my birth certificate. Fake news. Not really. We'll head down the home stretch next. Set you up for Crunch Weekly. Stay right there.